Thank you, Claire, and thank you, everybody, for coming to this session. We'll start by giving you a bit of background uh, with regards to the EBVM Professional Development Program that has been ongoing within VETS now. And then we'll move on to the evaluation of that project with, with my collaborator, Ian Robertson. And he'll speak about the evaluation findings and, and, and our next steps. This started really back in 2012, mid-2012, that's now built their own practice management software that was um, bespoke for our style of emergency practice. And um, we were then able to amalgamate our own data and to query it. We see with our combined practices about 100,000 cases per year. And it seemed like we really ought to do something with that data. And in 2013-2014, when our CVS knowledge was launched, we applied for and received one of the first 10 target grants to evaluate uh, the landscape of veterinary practice around the world. And uh, ours was actually number 10 out of nine. They, they found a little bit of extra money for us. And we evaluated the caseload in emergency practice and uh, wrote that up as a, as a grant report. And to do that grant, we put together a team of about eight people within the vets now, and some of them are here today in the row. And it was a successful project. We analyzed the presenting complaints and the mortality on 80,000 dogs and 38,000 cats. I won't give you those results today. But it was a great project and we can tell you that uh, gastroenteritis is the most common reason for dogs to present to emergency practice. And, Trauma and urinary problems are the most common reasons for cats to present to emergency clinics. And um, we wanted to build on that project and to expand the skills of our people and to expand the number of people that, that were involved in this sort of thing. Uh, classically, the, those sorts of projects or these sorts of projects and, and others like them are done within a university setting uh, in a two to three year uh, master's program or within a residency. And um, while, while we didn't want to do anything that big again, we, um, we wanted to get our people involved and educated in EBVM. And we could discuss the blurry line between EBVM and clinical research, but we wanted to build the EBVM skills and embed the culture within our organization, which is in fact um, located in private veterinary practices scattered in 50 odd places around the country. We're not in a, a campus environment at all. So that was a particular challenge to us. Um, 
our staff are scattered and they don't share the same building day to day. They work, actually, they don't share the same building night to night either. They all work after hours. So we looked at how should we do this and there's a lot of literature out there about teaching EBVM to physicians and um, nurses and there's some literature out there about teaching EBVM to veterinary students. There's nothing out there about teaching EBVM to private practitioners, let alone veterinary nurses. Uh, there's a bit more now than there was, but back uh, two years ago, nada. So we, my role in this was to set up and manage and coach and mentor the EBVM projects within Vets Now. And we created a group of about 15 vets and four nurses uh, to, to be part of our EBVM initiative. They were from 18 different clinics or, or locations around the country. They ranged from clinic vet, clinic nurse, to senior management. Um, only five of those people were not in a company leadership position of some sort, and, and that becomes significant later. All of them were working full-time, full and none of them got time off to do these projects. So it was all a voluntary CPD on their part. The projects were developed by questions that the participants wanted to answer. Um, I, I or Vets Now did not really direct the focus of the research. Uh, people would come to me with ideas and I'd say, okay, let's go see what's out there, help them find some papers, think about it a little bit, and, uh, and then come back and try to get a, a doable project. We ended up with uh, the majority of projects being retrospective studies, uh, looking at grape raisin ingestion in 800 dogs, uh, dyspnea in cats, 1,400 cats, uh, 1,400 dogs with dystocia. That project was done in collaboration with the RBC. Other projects on the incidence of azotemia in cat bites, abscesses. So, useful things, and a couple prospective studies about apomorphine and, uh, and one study that is still awaiting ethics approval for biomarkers in dogs with small bowel obstruction. We completed one knowledge summary on uh, hypertonic saline and traumatic brain injury. There's a few other knowledge summaries in progress. And one of the projects was an online survey about synthetic cannabinoid intoxication in dogs. The project support was accomplished uh, largely uh, via telephone and Skype, but we had three sets of face-to-face -face meetings, north, middle, and south, about every three months in this past year. Uh, we did some webinars, we created an online page in our intranet, so resources, uh, file sharing, emails, all those sorts of collaborative things. And I was actually stunned when I counted up how many different pieces of software were involved in putting together the collaboration. Um, and I th that, I think, is another challenge that uh, 
that this sort of effort needs to take into account. So that was what was going on and, and, and hatching. And um, the opportunity came up for this next round of grants. And, and I thought, you know, I'm okay at, at mentoring and managing, but I'm not okay at, at documenting the teaching and learning that's going on. And, and I wanted somebody to watch over our shoulder and and to see what I was doing and to see what the participants were doing and and how it all worked and you know how it could have worked better maybe. So we applied for and received this grant and needed somebody to to do that educationalist pedagogical sort of thing and um, searched around <laughs> who do I know and, and uh, my former colleague from nearly 30 years ago in Melbourne uh, fit the bill to a T. I, you know, if I knew everybody anywhere else in the world, this is what we needed. Because Ian is also a vet, but he's, he's spent most of his career in education, teaching and learning, particularly and did his doctorate in distance learning and remote learning and the use of technology in remote learning. I'm going, yes! So, with that, I'd like to introduce my collaborator, Ian Robertson, to present the results of our evaluation. Hello, yes, so I was fortunate enough to be the voyeur of, uh, of this professional development project. And um, so over the last uh, few months, uh, uh, with uh, still probably two or three months to go, we're, we're well and truly on, on the way and uh, working towards the end of the actual projects themselves. So what I'm reporting on here is an inter interim report uh, in a sense and it's been a great opportunity to gather, in a way to gather our thoughts together in, in looking towards the final report. So uh, the purpose of the evaluation is stated up there. It's, uh, the important point about the purpose, from my point of view, is the purpose of the evaluation, from my perspective, is to look at the process of the EBVM professional development program, not the outcomes of specific projects themselves, um, to, to look at the teaching and learning aspects of that and the way particularly that it was experienced by participants and to try and shine a light on that uh, from the point of view of maybe informing um, informing other projects that might occur in the future. <coughs> the, uh, the evaluation project uh, was RCVS funded, as I've already mentioned, and it, uh, it uh, engaged an external evaluator, which is myself. So that create, in, instantly creates a little bit of distance between the, between the uh, metaphorically and geographically as well in our case, uh, between the, the undertaking of the projects and, uh, and the evaluation itself, which has some, some benefits. Um, the approach that we've adopted is very much a qualitative approach and it's uh, in a, a naturalistic inquiry sort of approach in terms of research speak. So it'll report in a case study sort of format. Um, we've collected uh, data with uh, using surveys, one-to-one uh, uh, -one interviews, and um, I've also not so much participated, but but observed in uh, webinars and uh, and uh, other communications that have gone on between 
between OVA and the participants. And the evaluation is interested in both uh, the formative aspects and summative aspects of the uh, professional development program. But as I say, not so much so concerned with the, with the quality of the particular project outcomes, outcomes themselves. So there are some advantages and disadvantages to the sort of approach that we've adopted. Um, the, uh, the approach that we've adopted uh, can be uh, criticised on, on a number of counts to do with the fact that it's a small, small cohort in a single site. Um, it's quite this sort of approach that I've adopted is, a, is, a, is very much a, an accepted sort of approach in, um, in social research. Um, Whereas in the veterinary field, you know, there's a great emphasis on the scientific method, but certainly some of the conversations that I've heard around the conference in the last day and a half that I've been here are to do with um, uh, the acceptability of different sorts of evidence, and, and these sort of conversations about strengths and weaknesses go to the heart of, of that, sort, that sort of conversation. So I've left them up there for you to read, and I won't go through them all, all in detail. In terms of um, the format formative evaluation, uh, evaluation findings, there are, uh, there are some uh, just straight numbers outcomes. Ava's referred to those a little bit, and there's a chart there that gives you an idea of the sorts of numbers that we're dealing with. Um, in terms of the anticipated outcomes themselves, um, there are a number of... Uh, of, of the evaluation, there are a number of uh, themes that, that have come through very strongly in the evaluation. And these are in terms of the experiences of the participants and the way, the way that they um, uh, work their way through their projects. A number of factors have been, emerged as important in, in that evaluation. These relate to program design, program support and individual issues. And then there are, within the specific issues, there are some issues that cut across those boundaries. And a universal issue has been that of time. Um, um, almost all participants will reflect on, on the difficulties that they've had with time. As Ava has already said, this is a, this is a voluntary project. Uh, participants are, are doing the projects outside of, of their own, uh, out of, outside of work, work time, in their own time. So, so the aspect of time that, that emerges is important to refer to the, the lack of time that people experience given that they've got work, family, social obligations and then a project on top of that, as well as their ability to manage the time that they have available to them and their feeling that they're maybe not as effective at time management as they, they might be. Whether they are actually good time managers is another aspect, but another consideration, but but that's, that's the, uh, they're, they're the things that uh, concern, them, concern them mostly. So if we move firstly to the sorts of individual issues that, that participants talk about in terms of, of uh, the factors that influence their experience in conducting an EBVM uh, project in, in a multi-site work environment, um, there are a number of personal circumstances. Um, these might be existing and ongoing personal circumstances to do with family, 
to do with uh, social obligations and so on, or they might be sudden and unexpected, such as uh, primarily uh, medical illnesses. Some of the sudden, uh, sudden ones are not just, not just temporary, but might be ongoing as well, it might be serious. Um, some of these, uh, some of these uh, can be taken account of early in the projects when project plans are being established, but of course uh, over a 12-month project in, in any cohort of people you're going, to expect, you're going to expect personal variations to occur. And one of the real challenges for a facilitator in these sort of programs is to accommodate those sorts of, those sorts of changes as times go by. In a complex work environment such as those with vets now, with over 50 packs, you know, 50 locations, people in multiple work roles, um, people in multiple multiple different uh, individual circumstances, and so on and so forth, um, work circumstances are always going to be a major factor that influences the experience of people in this sort of, sort of project, and particularly changes in work circumstances, changes in roles over a period of 12 months. Some of those might be able to be taken into account at the time that you're starting a project, but again, over a 12-month period, variations are going, going to occur. Um, and these, are, these are, uh, can be really powerful uh, factors in uh, influencing, over a period of time, a, a, a person's ability to set aside time to do, to do work in the project or not. Um, sometimes these work circumstances can be overcome as they, they occur, uh, as long as the participant is motivated enough um, to, uh, at that time and has space in their brain to consider, consider changes and with negotiation with the facilitator. Participant motivation uh, was uh, something that I, I, I really didn't expect to... to, to um, say very much about when, when my, Ava and I first started talking about doing this project. But um, one, of, one of the factors that became very apparent to me very quickly and has been reinforced through various conversations is that all of the participants in this particular project, and there are at least 20 of them now, uh, internally motivated. Uh, now, that's not surprising given that it's a voluntary program, but voluntary programs in workplaces are not always voluntary. Sometimes they're voluntary but required. Um, uh, and participants have been motivated by, by really three, three major factors. The desire to improve their own professional practice, um, their desire to improve animal welfare, and their desire to contribute to the profession more, more generally. Um, and if I ask the people that have asked the question, if you were given the opportunity to withdraw from this project, you know, as of this time, without any repercussions at all, would you would you consider withdrawing? And and universally the answer has been no. I'm really keen to do that, uh, do it, even though people are you know, struggling with time and resources and so on and so forth. Um, and the reason I, I make a point of it is because I've spent a lot of time in the education sector, and, and in, the, in the education sector, often, uh, often people are not motivated uh, to do perfect, continuing professional development internally. It's very much a requirement, and, and external forces are at play. And um, I just think it's a remarkable and uh, a remarkable finding from my own point of view. In terms of existing skills. These, these have played out as a, as a really important um, factor in the way that people have experienced their own, own, own projects. Uh, and um, 
I've heard a couple of other uh, presentations in the last day and a half as well that, that have not really explicitly, but have uh, explicitly stated, but have um, made reference to, to the complexity of these sorts of projects. They require a wide range of skills and they require a wide range of uh, capabilities to integrate those skills. Um, and I, it, with these sort of professional development programs, in, in enthusiasm, it's, it's very easy just to assume that people have these skills at, at the start. Um, with a, uh, and, but often, uh, in, the undergraduate, in the undergraduate, people might, might think, well, they might not have those skills because they're undergraduates. I think there's a bit of an assumption with graduates of any program, I'm not just talking about veterinary graduates, education graduates or arts graduates, or that they have a set of skills that will allow them to conduct what is in effect a research project. And the reality is that most undergraduates, oh sorry, most graduates do not have those skills. In fact, most people that have done masters by coursework don't have those skills either. And they're skills that need to be, uh, need, to, need time to develop. Um, and uh, it, without those skills, uh, it becomes more, doing it becomes problematic. Now, in saying that, one would expect that a professional development program would stretch a, uh, the participant's existing skill base. That's the purpose of a professional development program. I'll come back to that point a bit later uh, from a different angle. But, it's also reasonable to expect that if you overreach on what you're trying to achieve in terms of stretching those abilities, then you're likely to render the project less achievable. And this, this is, this is, this is, you know, none of what I'm saying is rocket science. This is all, this is all well-established educational practice. You know, you start from some, you look at, you, you need to start from where someone is, is. You need to look at where you're trying to get there where you're got, trying to get, you need to look at whether that's achievable, you need to need, look at the skills that the person has and you need to put into place the supports that are necessary to achieve those steps. That's really difficult when you're in a work environment. It's more achievable than in the edu educational environment. Expectations of participants has also emerged as a, uh, uh, an important factor. Often participants start the, started this professional development project with unrealistic expectations in terms of what they, what they could achieve. Both in terms, and that's, that's reflected itself primarily in terms of the time that they expected it, the project would take to complete, in terms of how many hours will this take me to do, and in terms of the overall duration of the project, how long over a period of time is that spread? And that leads to quite, quite high levels of frustration and sometimes anxiety. Um, uh, and uh, is not atypical of people uh, doing postgraduate research of any sort where they're enthusiastic about their topic. Um, it can be overcome to some degree, uh, because, and it leads to a feeling that I'm progressing slowly. I'm not going quickly enough. Why am I going so slow? This is a standard feeling of people in, in research projects. And it can be overcome to some degree by um, uh, 
providing really good opportunities for conversations and meetings with other people who are doing similar projects. Because the reality is that when they start talking, they'll all, they'll all be experiencing the same things. This is a problem when you've got a multi-site professional development program going on. Demeanour. Um, in terms of demeanour, the main thing that, that I'll make reference to is, is one of the limiting factors for, for a number of participants has been their preparedness to seek assistance in a timely manner. A number of people I've talked to have said, I've been stuck on something for X number of weeks. And you say, well, why? Have you talked to anyone about it? No, they'll be too busy. And it's, you know, this reluctant, it, 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 it's a reluctance to seek assistance in a timely manner. This extends the length of time that it requires to do the project, and it's a really big issue. I'm not sure how to overcome it entirely uh, in a multi-practice uh, setting. Um, in uh, educational settings, the way you overachieve it by setting, you, you overcome it is is to try to set uh, regular meeting times on a regular regular basis so that it might be once a fortnight you at least have a conversation uh, and, it, and it cuts through the I'm not I, I'm reluctant to do to, uh, to contact anyone so I'll just I'll, I'll just live with it you know sort of thing in, in terms of program support um, Workplace projects with multiple job roles and uh, variable work roles where the participation is uh, voluntary are notoriously difficult to facilitate. There's no question about that. Um, despite this, participants have largely been uh, satisfied and appreciative of the assistance that they've been provided through the facilitation that's been, been, been available. Um, Ethics and data retrieval emerged as an issue. I think the issue of ethics was maybe, um, Ava can talk to this, uh, maybe underestimated in the early stages. There were a couple of projects that required ethical approval. It was uh, not an easy mechanism for do, to, to, to achieve, to get ethical approval, so that had to be worked through. This is a pilot program, so these sort of, these sort of uh, issues are, are, are likely to occur. Um, but clearly, any in this sort of programs, people need to think is about is ethical clearance required, and secondly, is there a mechanism for uh, for getting uh, ethical clearance? Because otherwise, you, they, they, the, these issues result in uh, huge delays. In terms of data retrieval, the major issues to do with data retrieval have been related to that issue of people being skilled in knowing what search terms they need to use knowing where to search and seeking assistance from other people to do those searches for you. So it's, it comes back to that existing school bus. <clears throat> I'm still going forward. Program design. In terms of program design, most of the projects have been individual projects. These give individuals uh, the ability to work independently and at their own speed there's a real advantage in that. Um, but it also potentially creates a sense of isolation. And that's been reflected in this, uh, partly in this business of I'm stuck, uh, I, need to, I need to get some help, oh, but I'm busy in life, I'll, I'll do it later sort of thing. Group, uh, the group project that's being conducted certainly provides support. It allows the ability for skill sharing, and, um, but, but there's a requirement to negotiate um, when, when you talk to each other, what the work practices are, those sorts of things. Um, so there are uh, pros and cons in, in both of those, uh, both of those uh, approaches. 
sorry, there, there's, uh, they were the, they were the um, comments from, uh, sort of comments from, from there. Ultimately, the, the, the bottom line comes down to the issue of scope and achievability of projects, as far as I can see. Almost all, all well, all of the projects, as Ava, as Ava indicated, um, were established as a result of individual initiative and then there was a negotiation process um, that, uh, that occurred to achieve that. Um, and in all cases, the, the, the participant was the driver of, uh, of the project that they were doing. But data from the surveys and interviews shows examples where the scope of the project is beyond the available resources such as time and existing skill level. This has resulted in anxiety and delays for participants. Um, where these cases have been identified, um, the facilitator has endeavoured to, to work with the participant to remodel the project so as it becomes more achievable. And where the participant has been willing to remodel the project, this, is gen this, is, this has resulted in positive outcomes. But sometimes what happens is the participants are so um, uh, committed to their project, they're reluctant to actually make those changes. So, what's really important is, oh sorry, to come back to that point, uh, the emphasis uh, in, in, in the professional development project has often been on content rather than process. Um, you've, got, uh, in, uh, you've got workplace practitioners, uh, you've got uh, area experts um, working on projects with it, that they're passionate about in terms of content. Where I'm coming from is to say, well, that's fine and it shouldn't be dismissed, but in a professional development program, project program that is about skill development, one should also emphasise the, the process aspects of the professional de development project. And this is, this is uh, become, this is big, sorry, this becomes really important when, when setting up project plans and being clear about the project, what the project outcomes uh, might be. Um, the, the specific issues identified reinforce the importance of project plans or project proposals as a design feature. And I think these are absolutely critical in this sort of professional development program in optimising the likelihood of positive uh, project experiences. Um, that's more achievable when you've got students in a university environment uh, than when you've got people uh, who are in, in a work environment where their participation is voluntary and you can, where, where you can lead but you can't necessarily uh, obligate people to, to change things so much. So, I think it seems to me that project plans are essential to, for the success of these for, for these sort of professional development programs, they should be developed early. They they need to consider the scope and achievability of the project through looking at pre-existing skills, personal circumstances, work circumstances, and so on and so forth. And they need to be they need to be uh, reconsidered on a, on a reasonably regular basis, maybe every two or three months, or when critical incidents occur, to remodel that project plan. So as we're all clear about where we're going and what's, what's, what's likely to be achieved. 
In terms of next steps, in the next couple of months, we'll do some more one-to-one -one discussions. Um, we'll, uh, uh, there's, uh, there's a number of participants doing presentations at the ECC uh, Congress in Harrogate that Vets Now is running in a couple of weeks' time. We'll do a bit of an audit of the project outcomes and, importantly, uh, do, a do some focus group work to validate and uh, uh, validate or uh, test and rate the importance of the sorts of issues that have uh, been identified. Um, we did a, and we did a skill of uh, p participants perceived uh, EBVM skills at the uh, start of the project, and we'll do them at the end as well as a bit of a quantitative measure, as even though it's very subjective in its nature. And finally, we'll, uh, we'll present a report to our CVS knowledge. So in conclusion, the professional development program from as I said at least, has successfully achieved what it aimed to achieve. It's engaged more than 20 participants. Um, it's uh, achieved uh, skill, it will have achieved skill development, there's no question about that. Um, in, uh, there'll be a number of projects, there are a number of projects and knowledge, knowledge, knowledge summaries will come out of this project. There are a number of um, uh, presentations to be done. Um, I think the, uh, I'm hoping that, uh, that the uh, evaluation has successfully revealed a range of factors that are influential, influential in uh, shaping participants' experiences, and that these might inform similar program projects that are done, done in the future. Um, uh, and I think with that, we'll probably open to questions and comments.